Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this is episode 81. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Good, man, good. We're down here back in Louisiana again. Uh, it's weird. We're recording with our Blue Yeti mic, so the audio might sound a little bit different, but hope it comes through pretty clear. Um, good week. I've uh, been traveling. As you know, Josh, i got some fighters I manage, so we're recording on Saturday about to go to the fights and excited about that. Yeah, man, I'm hoping uh, hoping your fighters do pretty good today. I, I know you uh, you had some fights had bare knuckle, I believe, a little while back that went pretty well for you. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we had some guys fighting the bare knuckle card back in uh, Mississippi, but also, Josh... We found out today that we, you know, I said a few weeks ago we're having a number four. So we can announce that number four will be a little girl. So um, if you want to send gifts or cash, preferably cash, you know, let me know. I'll be happy to hook you up with where you can pay. I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin, cash, uh, check, credit card, debit card, uh, money order. You know, we've got, we got, we got to feed these children, man. i got four of them now. So. Yeah, well, I'm going uh, to call up uh, Strong's Wine. You're going to need some extra wine for that fourth, uh, <laughs> fourth, especially the wife, man. Yeah, speaking of Rodney Strong, let's go ahead and thank them. They are giving away a um, gift basket, and we have our first one. Um, Brian from San Antonio, and so it was Horns. Um, so working on getting down there with him, so congratulations to him. And um, if you can look me on LinkedIn, whenever I get a chance to meet up with Brian, I'll post it. But hopefully get San Antonio this week or the next and drop off that gift basket from Rodney Strong Wine. Again, that's anyone who leaves a rating and review in iTunes. And to claim it, just contact the show, 318-599-9192, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. But the thing is, you have to be within driving distance. However, we have a giveaway in December with Rodney Strong with a VIP tour of their facility, um, and you can get that as long as you are out in Sonoma County in the next year or two years, whatever Ryan Clark said the other day. Um, you get a free VIP tour of the winery out in Sonoma County. And we can link to all that information. But a rating and review on iTunes, thank you guys so much. We're up to we're 80. Up to 80, 80 total. And so um, keep on climbing. I will say this, Josh. We've been getting more ratings and reviews. We were like number four and number 40 in iTunes a while back. And then we dropped to like 120. And we're getting more ratings and reviews. I think I think the folks at Apple are trying to keep the, keep us down. The man's putting his foot on us. So let's get them ratings and reviews in there so they can't keep us down, uh, you know. Uh, Speaking of Ryan, the rating reviews, we uh, we did have one that came through two days ago. Two days ago, it was Chris. The nickname is Taken. Uh, very informative and engaging podcast. I work for one of the largest producers in the Delaware side of the Permian, so it's also very helpful to get insight and perspective on multiple sectors of the industry. This pod- podcast does a good job in covering a large swath of the industry, including producers service companies, midstream, and even downstream shipping. Overall, very enjoyable and worth listening to. Chris, appreciate it, man. Thanks, yeah, thanks a lot. Chris. And uh, you're definitely going to be in the drawing for next next month, right, Ryan? Yeah, next month. And let's see here, Josh. That will be... The 12th? How's my memory? So the, no, the 9th. So it's going to be the great radio here, the 16th. 16th. So we will, record, we will record on November 16th. And at least that's when we're scheduled to record. As we said, we'll say again, the iTunes is in control of when we see these things, and we can attest personally that we have seen them on like a Thursday night getting ready for the show. You come in Friday, they're not here, so the sooner you get them in, um, the, sooner, the, the, the more likely it will be around 
when we go to do the show. So we get two more drawings for gift baskets and more for the winery tour, which will be in December. Thanks again to Rodney Strong for hooking us up with that. Well, Ryan, a lot of news came out this week. Um, some stuff come out with the port that uh, I'm going to wait a little while, maybe get Sergio on here in the next couple of weeks and talk about. But uh, the, the Eagleford is, is making a comeback, uh, according to some sources, Jordan Bloom, uh, with Houston Chronicle. Uh, back in 2012, Ryan, Eagleford was really the, the big dog, I believe, in Texas, and uh, the Permian has really overshadowed it in the last, you know, 18 months. But it's, you know, some things are, are starting to, to come back up, you know, with the, some of the the supply constraints in the Permian, and uh, it looks like the Eagleford is, is really starting to become the, the, the place of interest, I think, for probably the next six months. It's going to be pulling a lot of interest from some of these companies that are, that are going to try to get their uh, production up and, and keep things going. Yeah, so, you know, the Permian and the Eagleford are a little bit different as far as the geology and, and what's available there. So you have, um, I don't have the map in front of me, but it's around this office somewhere. I think that the most southern swath of the Eagleford is mainly dry gas. The middle swath is kind of a mix, and then the top is um, more of a liquids play. Um, and so as gas prices went down, people weren't as inclined to drill some of that southern acreage. Um, David Blackman wrote a piece about this a few months back. Whereas the Permian, you have a ton of liquids, and so you can go drill and get liquids, and you also get natural gas. Um, that's kind of a, not a side effect, but it's happenstance. What we're seeing now is is that, as I said a few weeks ago, um, according to the API, $2 break-even point for natural gas, so it's more lucrative. Um, the other thing we talked about, and we've said this, we, kind of, we don't say this much on the show anymore, Josh, but kind of that idea of when everyone's going one way, you go somewhere else. Mm. Well, this is what we're seeing, is we're seeing that everyone's in the Permian, which means it raises prices of the Permian for labor, for everything. I was talking to a driller the other day, and I said, hey, would you be interested in drilling well in the Permian? He said, I don't know, it's kind of pricey. Um, and he might do it, but anyways, the point was is that you know to drill in the, to work in the permit is really expensive, which means that other stuff could be cheaper, and we're seeing that with Eagleford. Um, and it doesn't surprise me from a service company standpoint or from a drilling company standpoint. So you have a lot of things going on. You have the natural gas break even at two, which is going to help the Eagleford. Um, the other thing you have is the, as you mentioned the constraints with the pipelines, which is going to drop down the profitability of the drilling there. And then you have, as you mentioned as well, um, the high demand, which is going to you know, the, the price for your, for your acreage to your drilling to your service to everything involved in the permit is going to be more expensive, um, which means that some companies, you know, there's not they, they can't afford it. We talked about companies like Diamondback where, you know, they're spending all this money and you go, okay, we're going to kind of watch to see how this happens. Not everyone is, 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 as, is as aggressive as Diamondback is, and so they're going to look at that and say, you know what, we can probably go to the Eagleford here, make less money overall, but maybe have a better margin. So it takes, it takes less money to make more money, if that makes sense, on a percentage basis. Yeah, you know, just looking at some of the companies, you know, it says uh, ConocoPhillips, Marathon Oil, both have holdings in the permitting, but they're pivoting to the Eagleford, you know, for some of those uh, constraints that they have. And then the British uh, company, BP, mm-hmm. uh, are poised to become one of the top players in the Eagleford when it closes its $10.5 billion acquisition of the Australian mining company, BHP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are two companies. And, and looking at some of the numbers, Ryan, the um, – the Eagleford was up at 100 drilling rigs. It's at 100 drilling rigs right now, which is half of what it was um, around 2014. So it's not exactly where it was, but it, it was only at uh, about 130 uh, around the end of 2015. So it, the numbers are, are definitely climbing uh, in the right direction in the Eagleford right now. Yeah, and we have to remember now, when we talk about historic rig counts, we can do more with less rigs today too. So even if you add 50 rigs to an area, 
that's not like adding 50 rigs, you know, four or five years ago. It's a fundamentally different game. So you, when you're adding rigs now, you're actually adding, I don't know, what the, you know, maybe someone can email in and tell us what the exact ratio is, but it could be like adding two or three rigs um, because of what they're doing with modern drilling technology. And Conco Phillips is a great example. We talked about this months ago on the show, Josh, that they were pivoting to the Eagleford, and they're not as they're not as aggressive. They want to kind of play stuff, long play, slow play, um, and so they're not going to be out there trying to wheel and deal like some more aggressive companies. And I think we need to remember and it sounds kind of silly to say, but as people that work in the business, this is good. You know, you want you want diverse companies who have diverse business strategies. We're on the vendor side of the business, so someone like Conoco Phillips, you know what? I'm glad that they're kind of slow playing it because that's going to create opportunity for me in the Eagleford. Where someone like Diamondbacks going to create opportunity for me, and so it, it's it's good for everyone um, when you see people with diverse business strategies because it's, it's going to open up more uh, more opportunities for us on this side of the business for sure. Well, Ryan, you know, we've been talking about that bottleneck in the Permian for some time now as well. And the uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about is some of the other companies that have been ramping up their production. Um, uh, the, the, the frac sand companies in, around the Permian have been really production. And so uh, the bottleneck that's happening is also going to cause them a short-term amount of pain until these other pipelines get, um, you know, live and start uh, sending oil through. So the, the frac sand companies that are there have been ramping up just huge amounts preparing for this Permian boom. And so this bottleneck is really going to affect them for the next, you know, eight to yeah, 12 months. Right. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty serious, I say serious, it, it just depends on if they're going to be able to withstand it. You know, eight to 12 months, can they carry the notes that they have from ramping up the way they have? So it's going to be interesting to see which companies really make it through this and, uh, and where they're going to end up. Yeah, this is a prime example of when we talk about job creation and job loss, um, how we look at it. We say, okay, you know, um, the government's measuring jobs based upon producers and what producers are doing. But on the flip side, you have things like trucking jobs or, you know, um, you have these frac sands, uh, these frac sand mines that are coming and going, they're growing. Um, you know, all those things tie into what's going on here. Now, I think that, that you're right. It's going to be a temporary thing, assuming the price stays high. If, this, if the price stays high, what you're going to see is, is as the bottleneck eases, um, the, you know, we won't have an uh, over an abundance of fracks anymore. In fact, uh, the person that they're interviewing in this piece from the MySanAntonio.com says, uh, says that we think, this is a response to one of the questions, he says, we think that it will really depend on the uh, additional capacity in the Permian uh, when the additional capacity of the permit would, would be available, so we'll define the demand in sand. In any case, we believe that there is there is a sand in, that if there is any sand oversupply by the end of the year, it will be temporary until Permian Permian's planned pipelines are online, or more uh, more mines are open. So I kind of stumbled through that. So we re- rephrase it, essentially saying, yeah, if there is an oversupply by the end of the year, once the pipelines come on, they're anticipating the drilling to follow, which would then alleviate the as you're talking about the short term oversupply of, of fracking uh, of frac sand. Um, but it is, it is it's interesting because again we talk about this these job numbers not to beat that drum but you know we, we always talk about these numbers and how they're not really representative of what's going on here um, you might see us tight squeeze on this it's curious to see where, where other spots you might see tight squeezes on if you had um, you know, because of the slowdown obviously I'm sure there's other parts of the upstream segment that will get a little bit of a squeeze uh, you know for the next you know, like you said six eight months but uh Frack sends are going to take a small hit, but I think if that $300 billion gets invested over the next five years, I think they'll be okay. They should be okay. Yeah, they should be okay. And, and I think with the amount of amount of money that the companies have, there's probably other other places that they could begin to maybe discount and just break even until that until those uh, pipelines go live. And then it'll be a huge payday at the end of it, though, I'm sure. They just got to make it there. 
Ryan, there was something interesting that came out from Dallas News earlier uh, this week. Uh, there's a new kind of crude oil coming out of the Permian Basin. I thought this was quite an inter- interesting article, uh, you know, a lighter, sweeter crude that they've been producing out of the Permian that uh, they're, they're saying is maybe garnering higher demand. Um, and kind of an idea um, at the, the last section of this article, it says that uh, the segregation of lighter, lighter oil might pave the way for more U.S. crude exports because steady quality of grades that are in demand would ensure regular buyers. And then, they, and then the article goes on to say the U.S. has to be competitive in price, a key driver of crude exports, but it's more convenient for producers and refiners if the U.S. can com- compete on quality. So rather than trying to compete on, on price, if we can have, if we can have a, uh, a diversity of, of different qualities of crude, that might actually help us to compete in different ways that uh, may help the U.S. be more competitive in export. Yeah, so this is an area that I'm not by any stretch imagine an expert on. I can tell you what um, what I understand about this. And, and one of the things that you hear from international people in the, when the market is, is that there's too much of our light sweet crude in the marketplace, um, and there's not enough demand for it globally. Now there's a lot of different people who very, there's a lot of different reasons why people speculate that's the case. Some is that the U.S. hadn't exported oil in so long that a lot of refineries were built and they weren't built to uh, blend that oil. Some people say, no, it's just that that oil is not as useful as a heavier type crude. It doesn't matter. Um, I think this article does point out a proper thing is that if we can have different types of blends to sell to the market, it will be it will be more beneficial because instead of saying, hey, I've got this, this uh, whatever the, the, the light sweet crude gravity is right here. I don't know, I have the number pulled up, but I, I changed it. Anyways, we have this gravity oil that we can sell um, you know, um, at 45 to 50 API. Um, well, now we've got 38 to 42 API, and so you can find different markets, you can different blends you can now make, and so it, it does open up um, different deals that you can make with different countries globally. So it will be interesting to see that they did say it was only 100,000 barrels a day, as we know we're drilling. Was it three million barrels or whatever number were? So it's not, not, it's huge not numbers. It's, yeah, it's not huge numbers, but it'd be interesting to follow this trend moving forward to see um, if if we see more of this type of oil coming from the wells that are being produced. Uh, but it is definitely something to pay attention to because internationally there is some people who speculate that the U.S. Um, shale market will be limited by um, the fact that it produces ab- abundance of the light sweet crude and it doesn't have enough diversity in it. So, yeah, I would be interested if there's anybody that we that, that may know. I didn't realize there was such a variety of crude oils in the Permian. Uh, I didn't realize. I, I, I'm sure there would be some diversity, but mm. having a dark crude and then a really light crude, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really anticipate that. I wonder if there are people that. Have an idea of uh, what what like grades? A percentage and, yeah, just yeah. Go, and not just the Permian. Just is there anything that measures or, or that has a has a breakout of where certain crews are where? Like we know, in general, um, you know certain things about crews that are in the Middle East compared to uh, the U.S. But I've never seen one in one single basin actually uh, laid out. It's just a random thought, I guess. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the percentages are. Obviously, mostly that light sweet crude. Um, the real question, I think, is when you take that is you know, how, again, the blending, you know, how do we blend it? And I, I'm curious if Trump gets a section, a second term, if you will see a lot more refineries try to go through a permitting process um, to get a new refinery built because um, you have a friendly EPA or, or expand the refinery to blend more of these type of oil, uh, this, this oil in, in, um, in the U.S. Because even the U.S. you have, you know, Saudi Arabia has their own um, refinery here. So they're sending their oil over here to blend with us. So now that, the, now that the game's changed, you still kind of have the international community trying to catch up to figure out how all this oil will fit in globally moving forward. Well, Ryan, uh, we're going to get to this uh, this section of the Texas Roundup. We kind of 
relay news that's been breaking in the industry, uh, any mergers, acquisitions, purchases, job opportunities. This Earlier this week, there was a oil spill. And on the 14th, uh, there was an oil spill by Energy Transfer Partners. Uh, it was in West Texas, a West Texas pipeline. They cleaned it up within 24 hours, and they're going back live on October the 20th. So, well, Hold on. Did you say oil spill? It was a water spill, water spill with, with residual with, oil yeah, in yeah, it. That's we, right. want be, we, we, we want to be clear. It, it does have oil, but that was a insignificant, according to uh, energy transfer, it was insignificant. It was mainly water with a non-toxic Not green dye. Green dye and residual crude oil. Residual crude oil. So, clear. we want to be – don't want to sound like we're saying, hey, they spilled a bunch of oil. That's not, that is not the case. They, yeah. it, it's a little bit of residual in there. Yeah, very very minor deal, uh, but it came out. They're back live, and uh, you know, anytime things like that go on, we just kind of want at least give a heads up to the people that, that may have heard about it. Uh, next, um, Earthstone uh, Earthstone Energy announces a purchase of twenty thousand eight hundred net acres from Corpus Christi based Sabalo Holdings. Uh, Nine hundred and fifty million dollars is what Earthstone Energy is paying for that company. And uh, so, huge deal based out of Houston. Maybe some opportunities there. Earthstone uh, Energy Inc. Uh, it looks like a looks like an interesting deal there around to me. So it's something that I'd like to you know track and see, you know how well they do. They're obviously they're gearing up for the end of next year. And then last of all, there is Permian Basin Royalty Trust announces October cash distribution. So uh, not going to go over much of these royalties. Going to link this in the show notes. But I did look through it. Interesting charts and interesting profit margins and productions of uh, different counties and different companies uh, from the Permian. So if you want to check that out, go and uh, take a look at it. Okay, we got the recount. Count. 1,153. Uh, that's from Drilling Info, 1,153, which is pretty stable. It shows 0% increase from last week. Yep, okay. All right, well, again, rating and review in iTunes. Do that. The drawing is just a few weeks away, as we said. Um, you're entered to win both things. The Rodney Strong gift basket, which if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, you can. Um, and you will be seeing when I pass that out here in the next week or two. Also, you'll be able to enter to get the VIP tour of the Rodney Strong Sonoma County um, Winery. Um, that drawing will be in December. So, And then any future drawings you do, you're automatically entered in for that. Um, 318-599-9192. 318-599-9192. You can text or leave a voicemail for the show. Just make sure you say it's for this show because we use it for our other energy podcasts as well. Um, Josh, I guess that's it. That's it, it man. Okay. okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Our numbers are growing, man. We're doing good. We're so pleased and happy, and we um, so excited. And thank you, guys. We'd love to hear feedback, comments, or concerns. And until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.